You're listening to a podcast on Catholic Saints. This podcast is produced by the Augustan Institute, an apostolate helping Catholics understand, live, and share their faith. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Catholic Saints. I am Taylor Kemp, the Director of Formed, and with me today is Dr. James Prothrow, a professor here at the Graduate School. Dr. Prothrow, it's good to have you. Great to be here. Thank you for being here. Could you, Dr. Prothrow, tell us, what do you teach here at the Graduate School? I teach theology and sacred scripture. Mostly I work on the New Testament and teach biblical languages. That's perfect, because today we are talking about someone who we primarily know through the New Testament, namely St. Philip. So, Dr. Brother, uh, where to begin? What do we know about St. Philip? Uh, so, yeah, St. Philip, his feast day is May 3rd in the revised Western calendar. Um, we know a few things about St. Philip, mostly actually from uh, the Gospel of John. Okay. So, in Matthew and Mark and Luke, he's named in the list of the 12 uh, apostles, but he, he, doesn't, he doesn't do anything else by name where we can say, okay, we know like, this is something that Philip is doing or saying hmm. as opposed to the other people. Otherwise, he just does the things that the 12 apostles do. Um, uh, in the Gospel of John, we get a whole lot more information about him, uh, and we can kind of get a profile from the things that he does. So I'll just read like a, a little bit of the beginning of the Gospel of John. Sounds good. Uh, so in John chapter 1, verse 43, uh, this is, The next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now, normally, Jesus says, follow me. People just drop their stuff and they follow him. And Philip does, but he does something else too. Okay. He says, now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter, who Jesus has already met. And Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we found the one about whom Moses and the prophets wrote, Jesus, the son, uh, Jesus, son of Joseph from Nazareth. Now, this is the very beginning of Philip's call, right? Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and surely when in the other Gospels when it says Jesus said, follow me, and then they followed him, right? Other things happen, mm -hmm. right? Um, right? They talk to each other, right? They drop their stuff, they say, bye, dad, right? They have to swim out of the boat to come follow him. Um, but here, right, Jesus tells Philip, and John goes out of his way to tell us, Philip grabbed somebody else that he knew from his town and then brought him to follow Jesus, right? And so uh, Nathaniel also joins them uh, as one of the twelve. Um, and we'll see that throughout the things that Philip does, the things that we see Philip doing in the Gospel of John. Uh, he's, he, he, he has a, a, a real evangelical kind of hmm. role. Um, he's got a missionary kind of heart to, to, to want to, to bring people together. Uh, he's somebody that people seek to uh, bring them to Jesus, right, or talk to Jesus. Um, uh, uh, he's, 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 he's one who's always... Uh, responding to Jesus and uh, uh, in, in inviting other people in some way uh, to see him. And, and he himself longs to uh, know God the Father. Um, and so we can see that as we walk through the different episodes in John. He sounds kind of like a sanguine. Yeah, yeah, he does. <laughs> he does. Yeah, Philip strikes me as an extrovert. <laughs> yeah. But that is beautiful. Yeah, he is, his immediate reaction to meeting the Lord is, let me go find someone else who needs to meet him as well. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, he's, he's, not, he's not into keeping any of these things for himself. Yep. Um, if we uh, go on a little bit more in John's gospel, um, uh, uh, we can see Jesus pose a question to him in John 6 when there's, no, uh, mm. uh, when there's, there's not enough food yep. to feed the 5,000 people. And, uh, you know, Philip, uh, Jesus says, hey, well, what, what food do you have? Philip's like, well, we, we, we don't have enough money to feed all the people, right? 
Uh, he's concerned about all the people who are following, yeah. right? And then Jesus said, well, bring me what you have. Um, uh, and, and Andrew, uh, Philip's friend, finds the little boy with the uh, loaves and the fish, and then Jesus feeds everyone miraculously. Uh, so G Philip there uh, uh, voices what a lot of us would voice. Yeah, he and say speaks like, for hey. the people. Yeah, yeah, he speaks for the people saying like, what, how, how are you, how are we going to feed them? Yep. Jesus, there's not enough food. <laughs> yep. Uh, and we don't have enough money to go buy food for them. Uh, so what should we do? Um, we meet him again in John chapter 12, verses 20 to 26. And it's another one of these encounter moments. Uh, so it says, among those who went up to worship at the festival, so they're in Jerusalem, Jesus and the 12 are there uh, for a uh, feast. Uh, it says there were some Greeks who had come up to worship at the festival too. Right? So they're, they're clearly want to know and, and worship the one God of mm -hmm. uh, Israel, but they're, they're not Jewish ethnically, right? Uh, they're Greeks, they're, they're former pagans. And they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and said, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. And then Philip went and told Andrew, and then Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. So we can see here some people find Philip and can see that he's somebody that they, 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 they want to be an intermediary between yep. uh, them and Jesus. And Philip goes and gets Andrew, tells him, and then brings him along. And so the two of them can go talk to Jesus together on behalf of these Greeks who've come. Hmm. Um, so you, you can see Philip continuing to play this kind of a role. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and then uh, later on in John chapter 14, we can see... Philip's desire to know the Father. Uh, and he gets a bit of a, re uh, mm -hmm. a short rebuke from Jesus, uh, but he clearly learns the teaching that Jesus has for him. So in John chapter 14, uh, you know, Thomas says, uh, Jesus says, I'm going away um, uh, and, and, and you'll, you'll follow me. And Thomas says, well, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Uh, and Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one knows the Father. No one comes to the Father except through me. Uh, and then Philip says in John chapter 14, verse 8, Lord, show us the Father, and that'll be enough. Just show us the Father. And Jesus says, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you don't know me? Whoever's seen me has seen the Father. Uh, now, we don't get to hear Philip's response because right. that's not really the point that the gospel is trying to get us to understand. The gospel wants us to hear the same words that the apostles heard. They want us to hear Jesus' answer because that's where the real, that's yep. where the good stuff is. Uh, but Philip asks a question that uh, hopefully is something that's in everybody's heart, right? It's a desire to know and see God the Father, um, but it's a desire that is satisfied and fulfilled through Jesus, Right. Um, and that's the new, the further faith that Jesus invites Philip to have, right? not just to want to see the Father and to know and follow Jesus, but to realize that by following Jesus, we are seeing the Father. Mm -hmm. And that uh, at the end, right, when we're purified, uh, we will see the Father face to face. We'll know Jesus, uh, we'll, know, we'll know God uh, as he is mm -hmm. uh, through Christ. I love mm -hmm. how there's kind of a boldness to him. Like, you mm -hmm. know, Christ says, follow me. Like, as you pointed out that there, you know, all the other callings in the gospel people do, they just drop and they follow him. And, and his first response was to go get someone. We don't exactly know exactly like what that interaction was. But there is a boldness of like, okay, I got to go do this and bring these people along. There's a very evangelical impulse. Mm -hmm. He's willing to ask the question, show right. us the Father. Um, and there's almost like a great lesson in our prayer lives, I feel like, for that mm -hmm. of, of we should be very like 
bold with the Lord, um, knowing our own um, kind of ignorance and and weakness, and that the Lord knows mm-hmm. that more than we do, and that mm-hmm. that's perfectly fine. And then yeah. having that ability to be corrected and guided by the Lord. Yeah, that's right. And and you notice Philip Philip goes both directions, right? He he uh, uh, when he goes off to get. Um, Nathaniel, after Jesus has called him, Jesus calls him to follow him, and then he goes to get Nathaniel to bring him to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when other people ask mm. Philip, he just goes straight to Jesus and says, "Jesus, come to them." And th- it, there's a there's a beautiful kind of intermediary role that yep. he plays both ways that I think we can take up ourselves, both to imitate him in evangelism, right, and sharing our faith and talking to others and saying, "I want to." go bring you, mm-hmm. right? Like he went to go get Nathaniel. I want to go get you and invite mm-hmm. you to know this person that I know. Uh, and yet at the same time, when other people have needs that mm-hmm. we're aware of, right? For us to intercede for them, to bring those needs to God and to be bold, both in our evangelism, but also in our in our intercession, mm-hmm. right? Um, to pray for people and to say, you know, like if Jesus goes to get Andrew and says, hey, pray, bring, work with me to bring these other people to Jesus or bring Jesus to these other people, uh, that we can, in our own prayer, bring people to Jesus. And we can also grab uh, other saints, just like Philip grabs Andrew, and say, hey, you also please pray for these people that I know, right, so that they can be introduced to Jesus um, or that they can be helped. And and it really, that's, I mean, Philip is this sort of great, you know, door door both directions, right? For for to bring Jesus to people and to bring people to Jesus. Yep, he's kind of this. I don't think he actually is this, but patron saint of evangelization. Like he's yeah, he's kind of yeah. one of the earliest examples that we have of going out. But yeah, that is a that is mm-hmm. a beautiful model of uh, the charity of Christ should compel us to go out and mm-hmm. find those who don't know Him and introduce Him to them. Um, and then also that kind of interior aspect of maybe that's not possible or, or for whatever reason, and then to bring that into an intercessory kind of prayer capacity. But I've never thought about him. Mm. I, I've thought about him um, somewhat as an intermediary in his like physical sense of he's like this yeah. middleman that's helping kind of like connect with, hey, they don't have any food. We don't have enough food mm. or here Nathaniel come. But I haven't thought about like, he's also this great model of the interior life of we're able to mm-hmm. step into this kind of intermediary role of, of bringing people's petitions or uh, whatever is needed to the Lord on their behalf, which is a really beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. So thank you for that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. What else do we know about him? Well, so our, our knowledge after this is limited. So mm-hmm. in the uh, book of Acts, right, all of the 12 are, of course, there with uh, Mary and some other relatives of Jesus when the Holy Spirit comes down at mm-hmm. Pentecost. Uh, so Philip's there, and he does other things that the 12 do, uh, but he doesn't really get named. We, we do have Same. a Philip in Acts, but he's Philip the deacon who gets appointed huh. when the apostles say, We've, we, we're, we're overworked and we can't manage the serving the tables. Presumably those are different people. Presumably, yeah. You yep. wouldn't expect the 12 to say, no. we need to keep working on our ministry as, as apostles, ministry of the word, they call it. Yep. So let's deputize the deacons to do the ministry of, of tables. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, that's where the word de- deacon comes from, is the ministry. Is, it means mm-hmm. minister, uh, but like table server. Um, uh, so it, it wouldn't make a whole lot of sense for the 12 to say, let's appoint some people to do work so that we can do this other work yep. and then make one of the 12 one of the people. <laughs> that doesn't make sense at all. Yeah. So uh, so Philip doesn't look like he's any of the Philips that's men- that are mentioned in Acts. Okay. Um, so we don't have anything more that's to it. go on from that. Um, uh, uh, a major non-biblical source uh, that is questionable, but it preserves traditions about 
uh, Philip, different miracles that he's uh, done, uh, tells of him being uh, crucified upside down, yep. uh, like we talk about with Peter. And the story is that he's in a city called Hierapolis uh, in modern Turkey near a city called Denizli. Denizli, I don't know if I'm saying that right. I don't um, either. <laughs> come on. I'm sorry. You're supposed to, how's your Turkish? I'll have it next time. Oh, man. I got you. Anyway, <laughs> um, and that he preaches and he ends up uh, converting the pro the Roman proconsul's wife there. Mm -hmm. And so she converts, but the proconsul gets really angry and then has Philip and his companions uh, tortured. And then Philip gets crucified and uh, is crucified upside down. Mm -hmm. um, uh, there's... Other reports, even in the same document, about other kinds of ways that he may have died, though. So it's okay. not absolute certainty uh, about that from the Were they all martyrdoms? Talking about it. Yeah, all of them are martyrdoms. Okay. Uh, so one of them uh, says that he got beheaded, right? There's others. Um, um, uh, uh, but it seems that he uh, died in uh, Turkey. Okay. And there's actually a tomb in Hierapolis, right, in that exact place that he was said to have uh, died. Uh, that was uncovered uh, in the last 15 years or so mm -hmm. uh, that a couple of scholars have argued really, really strongly is and must be the uh, uh, the burial place of, uh, of Philip. Um, now, there's always questions about that. There's a lot of things you can't prove. Right. Um, and it's not a location that's necessarily come down to us from antiquity, right? Okay. Like, like, like places where people have said since the 200s, this is where Paul was buried, this mm -hmm. is where Paul was buried, and it's just sort of people have kept saying it all throughout. Um, so again, it's, you know, You're not, it's a question mark. Uh, uh, it's a question mark for faith um, and then also for reason. Mm -hmm. but, um, uh, but what we do know, right, is that uh, uh, St. Philip uh, was this person that we know from uh, the Gospels uh, and still is that person uh, in heaven as right. a martyr and as one of the 12 who intercedes for us and can inspire us to the exact same kind of personality that he had. Yep. And there's all, I've always found there's a powerful lesson. I, I got this from um, St. John Henry Newman has mm. a reflection and I think it's on Andrew, mm. St. Andrew. So it's not on St. Philip, but the, the lesson still applies, but it's, it's essentially on the the somewhat anonymous level of the apostles. So the mm -hmm. when you look at the apostles, there are these men specifically chosen by Christ, and we have their list of names, but we actually don't know a lot about a lot of them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but there's something really beautiful in that, in that like the service that we offer to the Lord. Um, you know, we have the, the the great saints who we have extensive writings from and memories of, and and that's great. And in the Lord's providence, that was what was meant to be preserved. But the vast majority of saints much of their legacy is is lost in history, preserved in heaven. And that's like a beautiful, yeah. beautiful thing. And I, it's always just fascinating to me. Whenever we come to a feast of any of the apostles where it's basically like we know a little but barely anything. And mm -hmm. you're like, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. Like, right, mm -hmm. because it, it, A, it pulls on the heartstrings of all of us that, are, that suffer from, from pride at various levels. Um, and that the Lord's call is one of absolute humility um, and that we are um, meant to completely offer the whole of our lives to the Lord and then he can you, work within us as he wills. Mm -hmm. But that much mm -hmm. of that um, will be incredibly impactful, but not necessarily like remembered in some legacy that yeah. passes down in that sense, but he's alive in heaven. So I've always, I've always loved that. Whenever we come, I've, I find myself reflecting on St. John Henry Newman's reflection on Andrew um, is yeah. just a beautiful thing to think about. Yeah, that really is. That's, um, you know, we, 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 we can uh, 
Right, so Jesus talks about uh, receiving a reward from from mm-hmm. God as opposed to from people, um, and working for that reward, mm-hmm. right? That that doesn't fade um, uh, and can't be stolen or anything like that. Um, and but sometimes we we only take it halfway, where we say like, see. In, in her life or in his life, we know that she was or he was, uh, you know, uh, uh, unloved or unappreciated or nobody understood it. But now we all honor this person greatly and we know all the great things that they did and everything like that. Um, but there's other ones e- even more where it's like, well, we, we know their name mm-hmm. and a couple of things that they did. But even the even the other kinds of trappings that we would hope would uh, of worldly glory after death on earth, right? That we would hope would be there uh, aren't there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, but that's that really that really brings you to the crux of it to say mm-hmm. like yeah, there's lots of there, there's lots of great people that we don't know mm-hmm. uh, and. Hold, hold hold on and stay with Jesus and you'll get to meet him someday. <laughs> yeah, right. And then you and then all will be unveiled. But I, I've that's always right. just loved yeah. that about the apostles, yeah, and that right. is that is certainly true of Saint Philip. Um, is there anything else you want to leave us with? Is there anything else we can know about him? Uh, no, just to to uh, spend time if you're if you're celebrating if you're thinking about this or hearing this on on Saint Philip's Day, um, which is going to May May third. Find a couple of these passages to meditate on. Um, if you get out of concordance and you look up Philip, don't look for the ones in Acts because it's a different guy. Um, but look in the Gospels, and and you'll you'll see lots of quiet ways that he is hmm. wonderfully imitable mm-hmm. uh, and inspiring. If you you know when we we have these feast days, we get to read passages where you might not actually focus on that person as much because of course they're talking with Jesus and that's the main point. Mm-hmm. Um, but you get to shine the spotlight on their feast day on 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 them. Right, and thinking of yourself in their shoes, and thinking about ways that you can imitate them, um, uh, or learn from what they learned, and that's that's really beautiful. And there's a lot to meditate on with Philip's character uh, and the way that he brings Jesus to people and brings people to Jesus. Agreed. That is beautiful. Well, thank you, Dr. Prothrow. Thank you, Saint Philip. Pray Pray for for us. us. Thank you for being a dedicated listener to the Catholic Saints podcast. Your support truly uplifts us. For those seeking additional thought-provoking content, go to formed.org. It's a platform brimming with resources, including insightful videos that align seamlessly with our podcast's themes. If you're finding value in our podcast, please consider taking a moment to leave us a review. Your feedback serves as a cornerstone for our growth and outreach.